Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, baby, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station, and or FM translator. Happy hump day, happy solstice. Although, (laughs) I don't know, we won't see the sun out much today with all the stuff and things and Hi, how are you? Welcome to the program, and thanks for coming in and joining us today. Um, uh, this weather is something else, you know? I mean, we we shouldn't have to talk about the weather every morning, but uh, here we are trying to, uh, you know, trying to get a little bit of sunshine, and it is just not cooperating. And I don't know, I don't, I mean, should I should do some kind of dance. I should go outside and do some kind of dance for the sun to get it to come out. I don't know exactly what kind of dance that would be, but... Uh, Please, please, just give us a little bit more summer. I promise not to whittle away the two days that I had worth of summer already. Or maybe was that it? Are we already into the fall? I just, I have no idea at this point. But uh, anyway, solstice, uh, longest day of the year. The downhill slide mm, is going. We're we're going to start losing daylight here in the next day or two. And, uh, we were just, we were just hoping for a little more, just a little, I mean, it was the extremes. Remember last summer when it was just so blazing hot for like the first three weeks of summer and then it rained for the rest of the summer. So maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be different. Maybe it'll be the exact opposite. Maybe this year it's going to be rainy and cloudy and gloomy and cold for the first part. And then it's going to be beautiful for the rest of the, uh. Um, you know, beautiful for the rest of the summer. That's, that's, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's January. So Bill, Bill of the chat room just said it's January. Yeah, I know. It was almost like this is the winter solstice instead of the summer solstice. So it's boof. Um, all right. Well, coming up on today's program, what do we got going on? Well, here in hour one, we're going to continue our discussions from yesterday few more little bits and pieces have come out about the governor's vetoes um, and uh, from the the Beacon and the ADN and a couple others. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about the reaction of some, peop- of some people to the governor's vetoes. Some uh, a little bit more surprising than others. Um, and we'll see what... Uh, what comes out of that? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what's happening up in Valdez, where uh, there's been a bit of a uh, bit of a surprise, bit of a surprise when it comes to the tourist season for this year. We're going to talk about that, and then um, what else? What other stories we got here? Oh, talking about uh, the 
significant property check uh, tax changes in Anchorage and how basically someone's always got to foot the bill. Um, and, uh, oh, the Titanic thing. Have you, have you been following this? Um, what's going on <clears throat> in the, uh, in the Atlantic as they are looking for the, uh, submersible. There was a submersible that was going down, uh, over to, uh, view the Titanic. And this is kind of a touristy, it's, it's, a, it was initially billed as a tourist sub, but now it looks like it was also partial scientific mission with, um, um, anyway, they're, they're, they're looking for these, uh, uh, they're looking for these, uh, the submarine, which, uh, went, uh, went silent about an hour and 45 minutes into its, uh, dive, um, the, which normally takes, um, um, Long, long hours that dive because the there apparently there's no nobody's dropped a pin on the Titanic, you know, in a GPS type location. So they got to do a little bit of searching for it every time they go down for it. And uh, this uh, submarine was going down and uh, was going to search the Titanic. And about an hour and 45 minutes on board, um, they lost communication with it. So there was two different ways, two different communication systems that uh, the submarine talked to its tender vessel with. One was a system of text messages that would go back and forth to the surface ship, uh, basically correcting for directions, you know, go left, go right, go, you know, looking for wh whatever they're looking for. And then safety pings that are emitted every 15 minutes to it indicate that the sub is still working and everything's going on. Both of those systems stopped about an hour and 45 minutes after the sub named the Titan submerged. Um, according to the, um, <clears throat> according to the uh, journalist who's been following this and who traveled on board the Titanic aboard the Titan last year, um, he on the same ship, he said the, 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 that happening, both of the systems stopping within an hour and 45 minutes, uh, he said, literally, there's only two things that could have happened. Uh, either they lost all power in the ship or, and the ship has about 41 hours of oxygen remaining uh, based on that, or the ship developed a hull breach and it imploded instantly because of the pressures that are down there. Both of these, he said, are devastatingly hopeless. The sub has seven backup systems to return to the surface, including sandbags and lead pipes that drop off and an inflatable balloon. Uh, one system is designed to work even if everyone on board is unconscious, but uh, they are um, trying to figure it out. They've widened the search grid now. They're searching something like, I don't know, what did they say, 10,000 square miles of ocean, essentially. They brought in other ships and submersibles. They've got a, a P-8 Poseidon reconnaissance aircraft that searches for submarines, doing pings. They're dropping sonar buoys. They're looking for everything that they can do uh, to uh, find this ship. Uh, it's got some, uh, it's got some well-heeled passengers aboard, including a British um, uh, entrepreneur and um, and uh, a couple Pakistani nationals who are well known and in, invest in that country. Uh, a French explorer and one of the world-renowned Titanic experts are all on board the submersible. And they're looking, um, we're looking to see what, 
what happens. Um, so, uh, fingers crossed. Hopefully, something. Uh, hopefully, something comes out. Uh, about thirty-five minutes ago, they just published an update on it. Said the Canadian military uh, in that surveillance plane detected uh, some um, underwater noises. Uh, they said they did not elaborate on what the rescuers believed in the noises to be, um, although hopefully it gives them a little bit of a peek into what's going on. Um, they are, uh, again, looking in that search pattern, and the U.S. Navy has got some of their experts on that as well. <clears throat> the sub itself, as I said, had 41 hours of oxygen. It uh, will run out of oxygen sometime. Um tomorrow morning that's so they're they're racing the clock racing the clock right now to see what uh to see what they can do so um it, you know for those of you who i mean i loved oceanography and i loved underwater stuff but boo, some of that deep water stuff gives me the heebie-jeebies the absolute actual heebie-jeebies to think about all that water pressing down on you <laughs> definitely uh, triggers a little bit of claustrophobia I didn't even know I had until I really started thinking about it. Absolutely. Um, new names, uh, new faces, It old names, new old faces. What I mean, I don't know exactly how to put this. Uh, former Alaskan Republican legislator Mia Costello, uh, who was defeated for her district in this last election by Matt Clayman, um, has now taken a new position. She has been named uh, as Anchorage Mayor Dave Bronson's Legislative Affairs Director. The new position will involve her working with the legislature and the congressional delegation to advance the Muni's uh, legislative priorities, uh, such as rebuilding the port and finding solutions to homelessness, etc. When the legislature is not in session, she will be uh, work on similar priorities at the city level and be in charge of organizing appointments to municipal boards and commissions. Now, this, again, I mean, it kind of sounds like a paid lobbyist position, although not as lucrative as many of those positions had been. According to her, the report in the ADN, she told the reporter there that it's going to pay about $122,000 a year. She has uh, served in the legislature for 12 years. She was in the House for four years and then eight years is the, at the, in the Senate. And she is not, um, she is not uh, ruling out a future run for public office. She said, I'm not going to discount that if there's the right opportunity. But for now, she said she describes uh, she she is who she described herself as a moderate. She said she wanted to stay in Anchorage, help with city government, and help improve the mayor's relationships. Um, she was asked about the whole Amy Demboski thing and all the legal claims and everything else, and she said it did give me pause. But at the end of the day, I was born and raised in Anchorage. I love my city. I am raising my family here. I expect to. Uh, spend the rest of my life here. And so my love of my city is what's driving me here. So that's, you know, good stuff. But we won't, I guess we won't be seeing her come back to the legislature or attempt to come back to the legislature sometimes in the, in the near future. All right. Uh, we're coming up on the break a little early here. We're going to return in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Back with more in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. 
We'll continue our discussions on the budgets and more, and we'll open up some phone lines as well. We'll uh, be back right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew, I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Oh. Welcome back. The Michael Dukes show. Wow. Okay. Let's uh, continue here and uh, continue our discussions of, uh, oh, budgetary nature. What's going on? We're going to be talking about. <sighs> okay. I'm ready. I got myself put together and we're we're good to go. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, we're going to, uh, we're going to uh, continue to talk about the governor's, <laughs> the governor's, uh, uh, budget vetoes and some of the reactions. Some of these reactions seem a little uh, extreme. Some were a little underwhelming. Some were a little underwhelming. Um, not underwhelming. I guess surprising. Uh, underwhelming is not a good word. I, I, I scratch that. Scratch that. Reverse it. Um, and uh, but you know, surprising. Uh, some were again a little bit over overblown um and uh but generally the reaction from the news media has been um i guess i would say predictable uh mostly a little bit of outrage tinged with um teach tinged with arrogance like we know better than you how to do all this stuff. So we, you know, the governor just, he just, you know, you poor pitiful peons should just, you know, sit back and shut down, shut up and sit back and just let our, there's just, there's a lot of hoity-toityness going on. Um, Both the uh, ADN and the Alaska Beacon have basically framed the whole thing about public schools. Um, And in fact, the James Brooks article focuses pretty much primarily on nothing but the school cuts. He doesn't talk about any of the other. Well, he does talk about the maintenance projects at the university and K-12, but that's still all education. He doesn't talk about any of the other cuts. Now, hats off to the ADN for pointing out that the governor also made cuts to the capital budget for House Republicans who did not um, House Republicans who did not vote for the budget, who were supposedly, I mean, who were in the smaller, more limited government camp and who did not or voted against the budget based on the PFD, which the governor support, you know, purportedly uh, supports is that full PFD. And he voted against all the, I, 
Again, no answers as to why. And both news media outlets point out that, I mean, in an unusual move, the governor did not hold a question and answer session with a reporter and that his office declined a request for an interview. Which immediately begs the question is, I mean, is he this what we're going to see for the rest of his for the rest of his term is that there's going to be these infrequent like pop up where he's just not going to communicate with the public anymore? Is that kind of the way things are going? Um, it reminds me of like the imperial, you know, imperial governorship where he'll pop up for state functions and then leave and then you won't see him in the meanwhile. I, I just don't know. I'm, I'm curious. But I will say that as under, uh, I guess, underwhelmed and as frustrated as I am with the governor, some people may have taken that a bit too far. A, go- this is a government worker who is protected by his union has appeared to threaten the life of the governor uh, by calling for his assassination. A Twitter post uh, is, the, is an account owned by Kyle, who is at $50 Bill on Twitter. And uh, he says that someone should kill the governor as a service to all Alaska. This is what it says. Anyone willing to go to prison for Governor Dunleavy or for, excuse me, anyone willing to go to prison for killing Dunleavy would assuredly be a benefit of Alaska. The guy is running the state into the ground. We can let him or we can do one little illegal thing. The calculation seems pretty one sided. One death could solve a significant number of states problems. Just saying morals, morals and values should be flexible when necessary. Someone needs to permanently cancel the bad TV show known as Mike Dunleavy's term as Alaska's governor. I mean, that seems like a little bit of a, I mean, as much as I, of all the governors that I have disliked or hated, probably Bill Walker was the biggest one for what he did to the PFD. But I never once thought, boy, I just wish this guy would die or encourage other people to make this case. But, I mean, social media, man. Now, if according to Downing, a search of his past, which is mostly profane and angry social media, links this account to apparently an employee of the municipality of Anchorage where he works for maintenance and operations at a desk. And uh, so, so apparently people know who he is, but he's, you know, now, apparently, the several readers have forwarded the message to law enforcement, including the FBI, the Anchorage police, and the state troopers, and the head of the governor's security team. Um, although the threat was made Monday, they're still available under the Twitter handle. And uh, so, I mean, I just, I don't know. That, that just seems, that just seems a little bit of an overreaction. But, you know, quite surprisingly, what I find is... Historically, maybe this is just because of where I'm looking. Maybe there's other outlets where we see this. I see more of this stuff coming from some of the leftist mentality things than anything else. Maybe because we know that if anybody on the right put out something like this, it would be headline news in 13 states, right? There's a little bit of a double standard there. I mean, none of the other news media outlets pick this up. 
But if somebody from a right-leaning persuasion, if I wrote something like that on my Twitter feed, um, yeah, I mean, it'd be a whole different deal, right? It would be a whole different deal. Uh, somebody who's more conservatively minded, that would be a whole different deal. Uh, but this is it. Anonymity, um, anonymity makes the cowards bold. That's what the anonymity of the internet makes cowards bold. This is not things that this guy would say to, and and I've seen this time and time and time again, um, where, you know, keyboard warriors, right? They're on the internet and they could say anything they want until they're faced to face with somebody in real life, IRL, in real life. And then they have to back up what they've been saying with their actions. And it's a whole different deal. It's a, it is just a... You know, just being behind that blank screen and not having to look somebody in the eye is one of those things. Um, but uh, I again, I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. Uh, don't 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 you don't you? Another reaction that seems surprising to me, although I guess it shouldn't, based on his uh, demeanor uh, and his uh, his calm and cool collectedness. Uh, but Representative Ben Carpenter put out a piece uh, yesterday, or they put out a piece from him yesterday at Must Read Alaska, where he talked about the governor's vetoes and the budget. And uh, he goes on to talk about how the budget passed by the legislature included a 6.5% increase in agency operations over the previous year. And that the governor's vetoes reduced the state bureaucracy growth from 6.5 to 3.5. Again, this is that old misnomer of look at all the cuts I've made, but all you really did was make cuts to the increase. We talked about that was a classic tone. That was a Tony Knowles trick from way back when that I called out way back then. I cut the budget. No, you cut the increase to the budget. There's a big difference between cutting the budget and cutting the increase to the budget. But I digress. Uh, so Ben talks about that. He talks about, in other words, the vetoes amount to a 3.5% reduction in agency operations from what the legislature appropriated and allows a 3.5% increase over last year's agency operations. Now, he talks about, he says, I'm thankful for the governor's reductions in agency operation. You notice he didn't say anything about vetoes overall, and he doesn't mention vetoes on the capital projects which were from his district but he doesn't i mean he's very calm about this i gotta i gotta admire ben about that he said i'm thankful for the governor's re uh, reductions in agency operations however focusing on the dollar amount of the vetoes or what programs are vetoed or even which districts are impacted by the veto funds is a missed opportunity to see the bigger picture Fiscal year 24 agency operations are 11% greater than they were in 2019. The cost of our state government continues to grow, and the growth is fueled by permanent fund earnings. Now, here's the money quote. The money quote is, the permanent fund dividend in the fiscal year 24 was reduced by $881.5 million to pay for state governments. In other words, a portion of the $881.5 million won't be spent on small business in Alaska. The growth in the cost of bureaucracy also comes at the cost of reduced capital budgets and a delay or complete rejection of capital budgets that would enable private sector growth. 
At this rate, it is only a matter of time before our private sector economy will cease to directly benefit from the permanent fund because our state bureaucracy will consume all permanent fund earnings. Who will pay for government growth then? It, it's just, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a bad question. It's not a bad question. And then he points out, of course, meanwhile, the private sector continues to be in decline. Um, the 11% growth in agency operations has hurt rather than help the economy because it's consuming all that money that would otherwise affect the, the private sector. He talks about our state government spending more per, uh, per capita than other states. And when the uh, key metrics and performance metrics are released, we come close to the bottom, if not dead last in every category. Um, our, you know, he said our roads and ferries aren't 11% better maintained than they were five years ago. Our students aren't performing 11% better now that their permanent fund dividends are paying for the school district's expenses and families aren't better off because they're dependent on government funded childcare. This is a really, really good piece by Ben Carpenter. And I was going to try and reach out to him yesterday. I got busy yesterday and I didn't get a chance to reach out to him. But this is a really good piece that I think you could all, uh, we should all read and reread and then come back and probably have him on again to talk about it as well. Um, it's, a, it's a good opportunity to, uh, uh, to come on and, and uh, chat with him. Uh, so maybe, maybe tomorrow. We'll see what it looks like tomorrow. Although Justin Ruffridge is going to be on the program tomorrow in hour two uh, to talk with us about the cuts in his area, his district, and uh, his final thoughts, his thoughts on the vetoes and stuff like that. So we'll see what Justin has to say about that tomorrow. Um, okay, so that was the two different reactions. One was a death threat, and the other was a more well-thought-out discussion on where is the fiscal plan? Where is the fiscal because Ben goes on later on to talk about HB 190 and HB 194, which are the two bills that he talked about with us last week, um, that would help create a long-term sustainable budget. I mean, again, that's the problem with the governor's discussion here um, in part of his prepared statement. And this is what Brad Keithley was harping on yesterday, is that this this budget overall is a responsible path for Alaska's fiscal future. So a consumption 75-25 and all this excess spending and an 11% increase in operations over the last five years, that, that is a responsible path for Alaska's fiscal future. The, I mean, that, that is not the answer that many of us were looking for. And it's not what the, the vision that the Fiscal Policy Working Group put out. And it's not the it's not the the uh, the things that they've been working on in the Ways and Means Committee. But we'll have to we'll have to see we'll have to see what goes on with that. So anyway, um, it's a good article. I posted links up in the chat room. It's over at Must Read Alaska if you want to take a look at it. MustReadAlaska.com, and it's uh, legislature still needs to settle on long term fiscal solution is the headline. So you can go over there and. Read it for your, read it for yourself and see what uh, it comes out with. Um, okay. Um, what, uh, what was the other thing I was going to talk about? Um, oh, the, the tourist business in, uh, in Valdez. We're going to do that, but I'm going to open up the phone lines 
907-433-3150. If you guys want to sound off this morning, uh, we've got the folks from uh, Dr. Sean Rolland is going to be joining us from Jace Medical. Uh, That is, they specialize in emergency medicine and emergency medical supplies. Um, He is a doctor. They do telemed prescriptions for filling emergency kits and things like this. So it uh, it should be a good discussion on um, on, you know, the different things and the variety of items that you should have in your home prepared for any, you know, kind of eventuality or emergency or, you know, we've talked about the Port of Seattle shutting down and maybe a shortage of supplies or whatever at the end of the supply chain. So that'll be a good discussion coming up uh, in about 20 minutes at the top of the hour. We'll pick it up with Dr. Rollin from Jace Medical uh, in hour two, uh, part of our What If Wednesday segment. So that should be that should be fun. All right. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Phone lines are open right now, 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. we got about a 10, 12, 15-minute window here to sound off on anything you want. And we'll talk a little bit about what's going on down in Valdez. We'll be back right after this. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Hi, how are you? Oof, man. Um, I, sorry about that. Sorry about that, guys. That whole last that whole last segment. Um, I apologize, but you know, sometimes you gotta go. I usually don't have that problem, but um, it is what it is. Probably one of the worst ways to go, being in a submarine that hits critical crush depth and getting turned into meat paste inside a Pepsi. Flat Pepsi can. Yeesh. I mean, I guess I would say at least it would be quick. You probably wouldn't even know it would be so fast. I mean, there'd be a pop and that would be it. Um, But I will say that some of the scariest movies for me growing up as a kid, um, I I didn't mind Alien. I didn't mind, you know, some of the other ones. But the idea of like the Poseidon adventure. uh, What was the other one? Uh, The one in the summary. My dad's in the chat room. I'm trying to remember. Was it Grey Lady Down? Was that the one about the submarine? I had nightmares about that one because of course, you know, the submarine goes down and the, the apartments are flooding and they're trying to, they're trying to close doors and guys are just, you know, they have to close the door to save the rest of the sub and there's guys in one part. And it, I mean, that was scary. That, that was, for me, that was like, that was my first indication that I may have a bit of claustrophobia in certain situations. And that was definitely one of them. I mean, damn, because, oof, man, 
Um, okay. Uh, hydraulics is the most powerful force in the universe. That's true. That is true. Um, I had to, he had to go after reading Anthony's description of a flattened sun. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, that's definitely, definitely a thing. Uh, was watching a video, says Anthony, about differential pressure accidents in underwater welding. This giant king crab crawled across a pipe in an oil rig, got instantly sucked into a hole the size of a penny. I've seen that video, and it is also, yes, it is terrifying. It is definitely terrifying. My cousin was trapped in a sub off the coast of San Diego back in the 80s, tangled in cables, got loose and returned to the surface about the time they were to run out of oxygen. Oof, that's crazy. Um, okay. All right. Going through. Uh, Bill was worried about the bell. See, I made it just in time. I made it just in time. Um, uh, good morning. I'm still scrolling through. This is from stuff from like 20 minutes ago. So I'm still scrolling through here. Um, let's see. My giveaway, uh, I haven't seen the governor in a long time. Is this representation? Uh, I don't wish the governor any will will, but I don't wish him any goodwill either. Uh, double standards. Yeah, double. Greg says double standards. He said if he posted something like that, there'd be three letter agencies that hit his house in just a few minutes. Um, okay. Did you order your antibiotics for your emergency uh, kit yet at Sandy. No, I did not because I already have some, but, uh, we might be doing that here shortly. Um, let's see. Budget increases as population declines does not make sense. Ben is wise and understands economics. Um, uh, let's see. They will be revenue by taxing the poor. They will get the revenue says Jeremy. When I asked earlier, this is the Ben Carpenter question about, where will the money come from? They'll get the revenue by taxing the poor and, and middle class at a higher rate than the top 20%. Uh, we don't see you on Twitch or YouTube, says Kathy. Oh. I just realized that, um, wow. I don't know what happened. But uh, let me do that. That was weird. All right. Hi. Welcome to the program. If you're just joining us on YouTube and Twitch, I don't know what happened, but usually it takes all three automatically. And for some reason, they were unchecked. They were unchecked. Uh, so this morning, we're now broadcasting live on YouTube again. Hey, thank you, Kathy. I didn't see that. I don't know what happened. Um, wait, uh, didn't you go last break? Remember, job's not finished till the paperwork's done. I almost had a panic attack because there was almost no paper to do the paperwork. You know what I mean? Run silent, run deep. That was the other one. Um, the abyss. Well, that was good, but no, there was one that was like, there was one in the late, in the mid eighties, um, early to mid eighties. And I don't remember what it was. I think it was gray lady down. I think is one of the, it was anyway, it was spooky. Definitely, definitely got my attention and gave me the heebs. 
All right, we got to go. Uh, back with more of the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like it, share, like it, follow, ring the bell. Here we go. Okay, welcome back to the program. Um, yeah, that was it. I was right. Um, we were just talking about uh, we were just talking about um, the movie that that I don't that uh, the whole submarine thing kind of freaks me out a little bit, right? Um, I didn't. I had no idea that I was. I had the potential to be claustrophobic. I'm not normally. I mean, I can, but there have been a few times in my life when I've been in some pretty tight squeezes and I was like, but one of the things that really gave me kind of, and I, I had a bad, I had nightmares about it, uh, was a show, a movie, and I couldn't remember what it was. Um, and then I came up with a name. It was, and of course, everybody in the chat room's throwing submarine movies at me, you know, run silent, run deep, the abyss, uh, hunt for red October, um, just all these different, you know, uh, K-19 and, you know, I mean, no, all those were made. This is the movie that I was thinking about was Gray Lady Down, Chuck Heston, David Carradine, Stacey Keach, Ned Beatty, uh, Christopher Reeve. Um, that movie was, I mean, for a kid who was 12 years old, I think probably 12, 13 years old when I watched it. That movie was scary. That movie was, that movie scared me uh, because of the, the water and you just, it was just inexorable, right? Just that's the problem with that kind of stuff is you got nowhere to go. You're in a submarine. You can't get out. You can't go somewhere. It's not like you can open the door and, and you know, take a cab somewhere. I think that's what it was more than anything else. The lack of control. Anyway, uh, sorry, that was my, uh, that was, that was the, that was my, my whole thing there. All right, well, let's go over to the phones. I got some, uh, I got a line on hold here, and we've been talking about the governor's budget and the reaction to it. Let's uh, continue on, and we'll see what you have to say. We go over here. Uh, good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, hello. J- Jason hello. is is that you, you Jason? Me. I can hey, hear you, Jason. Hey, Jason, how you doing? Oh, okay. Yeah, that was the movie Gray Lady Down. I was going to give you the title for. My uncle Henry was a submariner. Not it's not submariner, but submariner. He cracked up during World War II when they got depth charged. For that very reason, there's nowhere to run. Even if you're in a foxhole and you're being mortared or shelled, it may be you know delink you know uh, leaving your post, but you can still go somewhere. Whereas in a submarine, there's nowhere to go. You, all, you have, all you can do is hope like hell you don't you don't get one a depth charge go off under you. And he also said. It doesn't sound like they sound like in the movies. He said you hear a click, and then the, and then you hear what sounds like a very loud ringing of a bell. And he said if it goes off under you, you're done for. If it's to the side or above, you can survive. But under you, the hole will just collapse into that 
bubble of gas that the explosion makes. So right. he knew of what he spoke. Right. <laughs> no. I think that's really what it is. I think it's the idea of you can't escape. Like you said, if you're in a foxhole and there's shells raining down, it may be stupid and it may be, you know, your dereliction of duty no, to to run out into that. But at least you can run somewhere. But in a submarine, you in the in the dark no one can hear you scream kind of thing you know it's oh, like yeah. oh my god that's just you know it's it was i mean like i oh, said yeah, you drown in the darkness literally yeah no and it definitely it's definitely and one of those deep, things the that, deepest dive ever made by a manned vehicle was the trieste in 1960 they went down seven and a half miles into the marianas trench the vehicle was essentially an underwater blimp a hole filled with gasoline or it had no bubble air, you know, air spaces, so there was no net pressure. And in the crew module was a spherical bath escape on 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 the underside, very much like a blimp, but made for underwater use. And it had, you know, uh, you know, ducted thrusters, or actually just propellers. But still, they said it's totally black as night down there. There is no, yeah. you know, the creatures down there do not have color, and most of them don't have eyes because there's no light to see by down there. Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's a whole new. I've I've watched. Like I said, I. For a for a hot minute, I thought I wanted to be an oceanographer because I love the ocean and I love that and and so I did a I, I did a I did a lot of reading when I was a kid. Jacques Cousteau was my constant companion, you know. And as the things progressed oh, yeah. and, and as the technology progressed, and we got more and more pictures and videos of the undersea trenches and the thermal vents and all the other kind of stuff. Um, I, I mean, you realize what a different world, I mean, don't, don't travel to different solar systems to look at different worlds. Let's go to the bottom of the deepest part of the ocean and take a look at a whole different world down there. Uh, you know, like, and there may be life under the ice of the moons of Jupiter. Oh yeah. They've got, yeah, you've got no idea. I mean, you've got thermivores down on the bottom of the ocean who live who basically are eating the heat, right? I mean, they're eating the heat and the sulfurs and yeah. the particles out of the vents down there. And there's all kinds of crazy stuff that we just don't even know about right here in our own backyard. But God bless the man who decides to go all the way down to the bottom of that in some kind of super secret, you know, suit that uh, could withstand that kind of pressure. Um, I mean, that's just, oh, yeah. it's crazy. But uh, it's interesting to think and about. One last, yeah. One last thing too. Did you get the, Speaking of uh, what if Wednesdays, did you get the emergency flashlight I had sent to you? I don't know if I did. Maybe my wife's got a pile of mail for me downstairs. I don't know. I haven't looked yet. I'll I'll take a look at it and see. I'll, it's wonderful. I'll okay. Yeah, your charges with a solar cell, a hand crank, and and other by other means also, and it's it's the best one for the money I have yet found. And since you're doing the what if Wednesdays again, I'm I'm going to be listening with great interest to the medical one today. But, but as far as having communications. That's a good device, too, plus it can recharge cell phones also. But, yeah, take a look at your mail because I got a, a notice from eBay that you got it. So okay. you got it somewhere in the house. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. I, I'll take a look at it. We'll do a, we'll do a field test here in the studio with it and check it out. I appreciate that. Thanks, Jason. Uh, okay. Appreciate have a, good, have a good morning. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Uh, 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. 3150 if you'd like to sound off we got just a few minutes before the end of the uh, end of the hour here and then we're going to pick it up with uh the folks from uh Jace Medical Dr. Sean Roland will be talking with us about emergency medicine emergency medical preparedness 
Um, and he's, in fact, I see that he's actually uh, coming in a little bit early this morning. He just hit the green room, but we are coming up at the top of the hour break. So we'll uh, we'll have a chitty chat with him during the uh, commercial break. And then when we come back, we will start fresh uh, with him uh, on that. Uh, what if Wednesdays, of course, uh, the next segment coming up is something that I did for many years when I was only on the air in Fairbanks up in the interior. And uh, we've done it a few times here on the show. But I decided to pick it back up because we really need to um, we really need to, uh, uh, you know, kind of go through this and take a look and, and talk about it, you know, with the. Last week, uh, you know, with the sh- with the shutdown at the port of Seattle, and uh, what's going on with uh, uh, you know what's going on with the supply chain issues, and just coming out of the pandemic, and what that had to do with the supply chain issues, and how you know we're reminded about how far we are up here in Alaska, anyway, how far we are down at the end of the chain, right? I mean, we're at the very very end of the supply chain, and we don't. Uh, you know, we don't really think about that in in terms of our just in time delivery and everything that's going on here. It is a uh, you know, it, it it's kind of a precarious position. Uh, I wanted to cut out this little segment from uh, the expanse that talks about uh, that talks about the uh, difference between a com- it's a simple complex system where the cascade failure can create problems, and that's kind of what we're looking at today with just in time delivery and many of the other things that we're going to be faced with that could cause be, you know, be problematic. And the things that we don't think about, we may need on our shelves. And, you know, medicines are one thing. We're going to talk with Dr. Roland about that here in a few minutes, but it could be something as simple as feminine hygiene products. It could be something as simple as batteries for those uh, for those flashlights that you were just talking about. Do you have a solar, you know, have some kind of solar alternative that you can use. Not that that necessarily is going to help you if you're up in Fairbanks in the middle of winter because there basically is no sunlight. Uh, do you have some uh, some ways to cook your food? I mean, camp stoves, gas, you know, cartridges, or regular white gas stoves. Do you have either or or both? Um, you know, there's just all different kinds of things that you need to do to prepare. And by the way, you should be familiar with these things, which means every now and then you should take them out and start working with them because. The last time, the last, the last place you want to be is having to try and figure out how those things work in the midst of an emergency. That's part of the problem as well. So we're going to talk about all this, but today the focus for What If Wednesday is going to be on medical emergencies and medical, uh, uh, I guess, consumables that you should be thinking about. And it's not, it's not always, you know, stuff that's sexy. But it is stuff that will make your life oh so much better uh, as we go through. So we're going to continue in just a moment. Dr. Uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Roland from Jace Medical is going to be joining us, and we are going to have those discussions in just a minute. Up against the top of the hour, we're back with more. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll continue right after these messages. If you got to go, we'll see you tomorrow. Be kind, love one another, live well. Otherwise, we'll be back with Hour 2 right after this. Okay. 
Well, we're ready to go here. Uh, Dr. Sean Rollin is uh, in the green room. Let's uh, let's dive down into that, shall we, and get things uh, ready to go, and bring him on board, and uh, we'll get uh, we'll get all set up here. We'll get all set up here. All right, uh, we'll right. go over here. Uh, we we'll go over here. Good morning, sir. How good are morning, you? Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I I'm get doing a, good. I I'm get hearing a, myself I'm back hearing here. Myself back Let me here. Get, get a little bit of an echo. Of Let, me echo. Let me see. Let me see. Me or you? Hold me on a second. You. Hold on a second. Uh, try that. And look at that. That was me, not you. All right. Uh, good morning, doctor. Um, thanks for coming on board. Um, we are uh, pretty excited about this. I've had a lot of. Uh, a lot of uh, requests for more what if shows, and uh, I thought this would be perfect. And then somebody in my chat room told me about Jace and uh, and pointed me in your direction, and said they had been customers and were patients. And were very happy with that, and so uh, I'm happy to have you on the program here. We're gonna we're about five and a half minutes here from we got the top of the hour news and then a commercial break, and then we come back. Uh, but we're ready. We're ready to go. You got just you just got done talking to Steve Bannon on the War Room. That must have been fun. <laughs> yeah, I've been on there uh, a handful. Of, oh, I have a little. Do I have an echo? No, I've been on there a handful of times. Uh, going on again tomorrow. But uh, yeah, he's he is he's uh, he's always fun to get into get into China with. Yeah, talking about China. Are you uh, what? I mean, is the topics there you're talking about coronavirus? Or what are you guys talking about when you uh, when you talk with him? Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, it's it's all things China related and, um, you know, Communist Party related and, and kind of their pulling all the different strings and how that's related. Specifically, usually it's tied to our supply chain. Um, I mean, and it's actually kind of part of the Genesis story of Jace it goes back to kind of my revelations with where our medications are coming from and how how our industry basically completely got, you know, we got out of it in the United States and, and uh, China was there to, to pick it up. So um, yeah, there's some interesting rabbit holes to go down there. Well, supply chain dependency is definitely one of the things that I am most concerned about uh, because again, we live in a society that has developed over the last 30 years into this simple complex system uh, the idea of just-in-time delivery. I mean, I remember going into a grocery store uh, when I was younger and working in the back where this, you know, the the front half of the store was only about, well, it was half, maybe a third of the store. And the back half of the store was all storage. It looked like a Costco in the back because they kept everything on hand. And, of course, over the last 30 years, that's changed and changed and changed. And now you're lucky to find a 20-foot wide aisle in the back of a store. Um, because everything else is out on the shelf and everything is delivered every three days. And if something interrupts that, Ooh, baby, do we have a problem? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, yeah, you're right on the money. The way I then think though, like, because it affects everything, right? It's across the board in every industry, but we, but we heard about, I mean, I, I guess, cause it was right in our face, but we heard about, and, and we experienced no toilet paper. And then we, then we talk about not being able to get a car because it can't, we can't get computer chips and appliances that take, you know, two years on a waiting list and it goes on and on and on. But, but we're not really talking about, about medications and, and we are, there's, there's, and, and I talked about this on Bannon's show too. Right now in America, there's, there's a cancer doctor having a discussion or to, to decide, am I going to use the the limited amount of cancer medication that we have because it's been on shortage for years. Am I going to use this to treat 
the the baby with brain cancer or this or the older lady with lung cancer it, both of them should be treated and can be treated but we don't have enough medication and so having to make these kinds of decisions or or you have a child with an ear infection you went to the pharmacy last last winter and you couldn't get a basic antibiotic these are experiences uh, shortages we're experiencing right now and and we're just not talking about I mean, you mentioned, yeah, in a th in three days, the, the shelves are bare. How about when we're talking about insulin? And these are things that pe we need to live on a right. daily basis, right. not, not conveniences of life. Right. You're and not talking about going hungry. You're not talking about being a little being a little hungry or being a little thirsty. You're talking about insulin where you're yeah. it's life threatening if you don't get your shot. And uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely a uh, a problem for sure. All right, well, we're coming up on it here, uh, Doc. I'm going to go ahead and put you back in the green room for just a second. Hold on the line here. We're going to get things ready to go. Uh, Dr. Steve uh, Rowland is our guest. Um, we're going to uh, continue with him. He's the founder and CEO of Jace Medical, and you can find them at jacemedical.com, and we'll uh, get some details from him on that as well. And this is just going to kind of be a free-ranging discussion um, with the doctor on uh, kind of medical preparedness, what's going on today, what could happen, and then what the solution is. And maybe not just in some of the things that, you know, common medications that we should have, common medications that we should be putting in our shelves. If you're going to go down and buy one box of uh, Imodium, maybe you should buy two kind of thing, you know, or, and then real, uh, you know, other types of medicine, you know, more heavy duty antibiotics, maybe some painkillers, maybe some analgesics, uh, some ointments, you know, things maybe that you need to actually see a doctor for to be able to get it or things like life threatening drugs uh, like insulin or others um, that uh, are, you know, uh, maybe may in short supply. So we'll uh, we'll talk with Dr. Uh, Roland about that here in just a moment. Folks, please like and share the show, like and follow the show page, and uh, make sure you subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. We're coming back into it. Uh, it's uh, going to be hour two here in just a second. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't forget, those of you who are on Facebook, don't forget to subscribe. But We're still trying to hit that 1,000 subscriber mark on YouTube. Almost 4,000 people on Facebook trying to get some of you to go over to YouTube. You don't have to stay there. You can come back and we, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, here we go. Jumping back into it. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking hump day radio. What if Wednesday up next? Back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. 
We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, live around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hour two of the big radio broadcast, and we are ready to go for our What If Wednesday segment. Now, What If Wednesday? That means what if. What if there is a major power outage? What if there is a, uh, um, you know, uh, global... Global thermonuclear war, uh, uh, zombie apocalypse, or just, you know, I don't know, the 2018 earthquake, only worse. Maybe another Good Friday uh, tsunami. Maybe, you know, uh, name the mass coronal ejection. I don't know. I, I just, you know, I just don't know. Or maybe just a coronavirus issue with a supply chain issue thrown in and a dependency on foreign supply chains on top of that. Maybe that would create the problem. What if Wednesday is just our chance to look at all the different things and make sure that you have what I like to call the Alaskan mindset, the Alaskan mindset of just being prepared for kind of any eventuality. Um, I never knew growing up that that's what people called preppers or preparedness or survivalists or whatever, because, again, my grandmother was born up 100 miles north of Fairbanks during the gold rush, and that was just kind of the way they lived. They always had a few months worth of food on the shelf. Even when she was 80 years old, living in her condominium all alone, you opened up her pantry and there was probably five, six months worth of food there. It's just one of those things where it's just a way of life and you don't even think about it. So we like to ask those questions. Well, today we're going to talk about medical preparedness because we can always talk about, you know, when it comes to preps, it's always like food and ammo and blah, blah, blah. But one of the things that we don't usually talk about is medicines uh, because a lot of us, um, out there require medicines, uh, to, to not just for peace of mind, not just for quality of life, but some of us for, um, you know, to live. I mean, like it, it's the thing keeping us alive. Um, and for some, maybe a bad bout of something that would today be fixed easily if we didn't have access to those medicines could be painful and or life-threatening. So to join us today to discuss this is Sean Rowland, who is the med, uh, the uh, founder and CEO of Jace Medical. He's a doctor, board-certified family medical physician. Uh, he's trained at academic institutions and community hospitals across, across the country, and he has extensive experience administering uh, care to underserved populations. He's had experience working on the southern border during the COVID, and that ultimately led him to forming Jace Medical as a means of furthering his mission to empower everyone to be better prepared medically. And so let's uh, welcome uh, Dr. Uh, Sean Rowland here onto the program and uh, get started with our discussion today. Good morning, doctor. Thanks for coming on board. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, so, uh, you know, first things first, uh, we, we, I always have to take these shows a little bit tongue in cheek because like I said, being born and raised in Alaska and, and being from a family of sourdough gold miners, I didn't realize that it was, I didn't realize that it was weird to everybody else that I happened to have a bunch of food on my shelf and that, that I had some water stashed away and that I had some, you know, extra toilet paper and maybe some extra medicine that I had an emergency kit. I mean, I, to me, that was not weird. That was just 
kind of how I was raised, right? But then you got into it like into the uh, early 90s and up to Y2K and everybody's freaking out about Y2K. And I'm like, what? I th- This is just how I am. And they're like, oh, no, it's all those survivalists and everything. I didn't realize there was actually a term for that, you know, up until that point. Uh, but today it's, uh, you know, it's kind of more top of the mind. And we, of course, see the things, the walking dead and all the zombie apocalypse and, and the, and the, the dystopian shows and everything. And so people are kind of thinking about it, but still it kind of holds a stigma. We're trying to just bring it down to a basic understandable level and realistic level here. Um, there's some real problems and you started Jace medical. Tell us a little bit about the, the foundation of that, the genesis of that whole thing and why you got started in emergency medical preparedness as a doctor, what, uh, what drove you into that and, and give us your thoughts on kind of the preparedness aspect of it. Absolutely. You know, I, I wonder if we've maybe come partially full circle, um, when it comes to that perception of, of preparedness where now I think nowadays, you're much more likely to to find people that would would actually just term it as something as prudence, right? Um, as it was back in as you were explaining when you were growing up, um, and, and so and I, and that was I think that's largely thanks to to COVID um, and people finally living through and, and some of these real the, the pain points that COVID caused with regards to access to to just everyday supplies. Um, and, and really that, that plays a part in, in kind of the Genesis story for Jace medical. Um, it, we actually, this goes back, uh, pre COVID. So this was, you know, uh, oh gosh, 2017, uh, 2018, uh, I was working in, in a community hospital pre pandemic, uh, you know, life is good. We live in the land of plenty and, and things like, uh, you know, access to toilet paper was just not on anyone's radar. Um, and same with, with access to medications. Um, so here I am in this hospital and I, re- I remember, I remember the first meeting we had um, in the morning, you know, we have these, everyone gets together, a pharmacist in the hospital comes in and, and uh, he comes in and explains that, that we're running a little low on uh, a few things. And one of them was a, a pretty important uh, antibiotic that we, uh, an IV antibiotic that we, that we reused routinely, um, as one of our big guns to kind of save people who are really sick. And at the time, and, and, you know, it happened once, then it happened again. And, and I started to think what's going on here. We're in this, this t- first tier healthcare system. And, and I can't get some of these basic supplies, these basic medications, what is going on? So that led me to kind of dig into, to what, where our medications come from and, and what, what's going on in that in that supply chain and what i found out was that here in the united states uh we have virtually no capacity to manufacture any kind of a generic medication and it turns out that generic medications account for about 95 percent of what is prescribed on a daily basis in the united states so about 95 percent of what we consume every day medication wise could be classified as a generic medication so where where are those medications made? Well, it turns out that the that the active pharmaceutical ingredients, the active component of those medications, for the most part, is produced out of China, with a few other countries sprinkled in there. But China really has the 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 majority um, when it comes to to manufacturing of those active ingredients. Um, <clears throat> now, fast forward to COVID. And uh, relocated my family. Uh, we moved uh, back to the state to, to Utah, which is where we're, we were originally from. 
and it's COVID. Things are horrible. Uh, we you can't get anything, and we didn't know this first winter it was going to be COVID plus the flu. I mean, this was it, things were getting were getting dark pretty quick, um, and so that's when I dug in not only to to where our medications come from, but how much do they really cost? And uh, found out that, uh, and this is because I was starting my own practice, I needed to kind of stock up on medications for my practice. And for the first time as a physician, looking into what medications really cost, and found out that the generics are actually really cheap. They're really accessible. So I wanted to get myself supplied, uh, my practice. And then it kind of, I had this feeling, I was, actually felt a little bit guilty. I was like, okay, well, I feel good. I'm prepared. But what about my, what about my, my parents? What about my friends, my, my neighbors, my community? Um, and that's ultimately what led to Jace Medical, where I, I finding a way that I could take the same preparations that I had done for myself and my practice, and and uh, and allow that uh, to take place for for my patients. So, came up with a list of of five antibiotics. What are the most important antibiotics to have on hand? You can't have the whole pharmacy. There's costs to consider. There's safety to consider. But what could I? What are the 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 five that could be cover the most uh, common bacterial illnesses uh, as well as the most deadly. And that ultimately led to the Jace case. And, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that, but, but that's, that's how uh, Jace became, became Jace. And, you know, again, that's fascinating. I, it's interesting to me to watch people um, who, uh, you know, who, who come to this mindset all of a sudden, like all of a sudden it's like a light dawning on them when they realize that the supply chain in this country is fairly fragile. Um, and when, when they see that and you see that light go off and all of a sudden they realize that, yes, we are a first world nation, first tier, right? I mean, this is, it doesn't get much better than being in America, but when they realize how fragile it is, they go, oh, wow. And it's, and it's a little spooky. It's a little scary. But as I've said for many years, preparedness brings mm -hmm. peace. You know, you get a little peace of mind once you start to prepare for these things and it makes a lot more sense and things get better. Um, but as you talk to your patients and as you talk, I'm assuming you talk to people in your sphere of influence and some of your patients, what was their reaction when you started to lay out some of these truths about what was going on? Well, yeah, great. That, that, um, that's a question I haven't really gotten before, but it's, it's a great one because, uh, well, it, it, I could say maybe two things on the one hand, I, I don't think I've ever talked to anyone um, not to say they're not out there, but in my experience that, that wasn't shocked when they found out that all of their medications, uh, were produced overseas, mostly in China. Um, it's just not something that, that, that anyone had thought about and, and immediately caused concern, right. For everyone who hears it. Uh, but then just talking about, about what we offer, um, when it comes to, uh, uh access to prescription medications for emergency preparedness, uh, everyone immediately comes up with with kind of in their experience, oh, I oh, I would have loved to have that on my on my last trip to um, to wherever they were um, in some travel situation, or oh man, I, I my grandma lives in in New York City and she's in a high rise apartment, and when she gets sick, it's so hard to go out and get her medications. It's just everyone has their their quick go to, or oh man, I've been preparing for you know for my whole life. I've got I've got my food storage, my water, and, and, and my ammo, everything. But, oh my gosh, I, I, I've, I don't have any prescription medications or, or I've had to go down to Mexico or so everyone's got their own, their own use case that immediately pops to mind. Um, but what's, I guess the common thing there is, is that everyone immediately sees the, oh my gosh, this is, 
either I, I, how could I how could I have not considered this? Um, but wow, this is something that 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 I really need. Um, I want to talk a little bit. Uh, so first, I want to tease just a little bit about the Jace case. Tell us exactly what that is, and then I want to get into. Uh, in the next segment, we're coming up on the break here in a minute, but in the next segment, I want to dive down into some regular medications and some over-the-counter things that we don't think about, that we're just not really considering, and then get into some deeper use cases on prescription meds and stuff. But talk for a minute about the Jace case. You've mentioned it a couple times. I've seen it on your website. Tell us exactly what that is. Sure. So the Jace case was kind of our go-to-market uh, offering service. And what it is, it's is as I mentioned, it's five different antibiotics. Uh, looking looking at w in a scenario where you don't have access to to healthcare for any number of reasons, what are the most likely things that would need to be treated? And then what are some of the most deadly? And specifically in that regard, we're talking about bioterror agents, things like anthrax, plague, tularemia. These are the, the the agents that have been identified by the government as the most likely that may be used in a bioterror event. Uh, and so the five antibiotics, um, I quickly mentioned them um, for, for, for those who are, who are kind of aware of the names, but there's uh, amoxicillin clavulanate, that's augmentin. There is azithromycin, ciprofloxacin, doxycycline, and metronidazole. And we do it in an amount that you can treat. <clears throat> it's, it's intended for one adult to be able to cover anything that could happen in, in over a year's period. So it's a decent amount of medication. Um, and, and we can get into more about kind of specifically some of the things it treats, sure. but, uh, you know, you mentioned before it was about how things have kind of how we're just used to being able to treat these run of the, you know, everyday illnesses, uh, specifically bacterial illnesses. Uh, you know, it wasn't that long, a hundred years ago, the top three killers in the United States or in the world were all bacterial related. And we've just gotten so used to having these, these tools at our disposal. Uh, but in a situation, you know, a grid down situation or, or anything like that, uh, those, those things are gonna resurface, come right back to the top. And so being prepared uh, to, to be able to treat these kinds of things, I, it's just, it's vital. It should, it's gotta be a part of everyone's, of everyone's prudent preparations. <laughs> uh, this is the Jace case. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a bit. Dr. Sean Rowland is our guest with Jace Medical. You can find him at jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E. And we're going to uh, come back to him in just a moment with some more questions and more discussions on our What If Wednesday. We're talking about emergency medicine. When we return, we'll hit on some over-the-counter things that you probably aren't thinking about um, right now, but could be, if not life-saving, at least quality of life-saving during, in the event of any kind of uh, interruption, supply chain, disaster, or whatever. So we're gonna continue with that here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio, back with Sean Rollin right after this. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, continuing now with Dr. Uh, Rollin here from Jace Medical as we uh, discuss this, um, uh, as we discuss this here as we go through. 
Um, do you need a prescription to order these antibiotics, high blood pressure meds, et cetera? Yes. And we're going to talk about the specifics of that here in just a bit um, with uh, with Dr. Roland. But I, I mean, I want to go back uh, since we're uh, in the break and it's just you and me and 70 of our closest friends on Facebook and YouTube and everywhere else. Uh, I want to go back again to the genesis of this and to talk about, I mean, do, do you still, you have a regular practice still, or are you focused exclusively now on emergency medicine, doctor? Yeah, at this point, I'm I'm fo- focused exclusively on, on Jace and our mission. Um, it's become, it's become a full-time endeavor. Yeah. Um, that must be different, a change, especially coming out of community medicine and working with people and doing all that. Um, uh, you know, it must've been a hard decision. Yeah. I love, you know, I, I went into, um, like we call it direct primary care and it, it's a, it was a mod, it's a model of, of healthcare delivery that, that is kind of the end around, um, insurance companies. And, and I did it because it, it allows for a lot more of a relationship with your, pa- with your patients because you're not limited by time. Um, and so, yeah, it, 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 it I, I still, you know, I still do a lot of, um, charitable care um just because yeah you, you can't you can't let it go all the way yeah no it'd be hard yeah. to let go of uh especially patients you've seen or known for a long time um and uh and definitely direct primary care we had a doctor on here who is one of the national advocates for that here f- uh, a couple months ago oh, and, perfect. and uh yeah it's a it's a model that i believe we should be embracing many of us should be embracing even those of us that have insurance should be embracing it because again we're no longer just a number my daughter ended up in the emergency room this week uh, for something. And my wife was just so frustrated, you know, four hours of poking and prodding and tests and scans and blood work and everything else. And then they're like, nope, it's all good. Go home. And she was just like, she said, I felt like such a number the whole time we sat in one point, she said, we sat in that room for two, almost two hours waiting for somebody to come back and talk to us. And she said, it's just, it's so frustrating. So we need to kind of go back to that, uh, uh, not necessarily house calls, but that feeling of, you know, the doctor's there to care for you and he doesn't have 15 patients stacked up outside waiting to uh, take your place kind of thing. Uh, and I, I think that's good. Now, um, give us a little bit of a tease here. You have the Jace case, which, of course, is the emergency medical, but you guys also offer a reoccurring for daily prescription, things like that as well. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, you know, going to market first with the Jace case, we did that for the last couple of years. And then just recently, uh, actually in May, we launched what we call our Jace Daily service. And this is uh, basically getting up to a year supply of your whatever daily medication you take for a chronic condition. So we're talking about things like uh, your blood pressure medication, cholesterol, thyroid, diabetes, seizure disorders, um, your anxiety, depression. Um, really, it's a, it's a pretty long list. But um, offering that up to your supply of, of those, because it's the same thing. These are generic medications. Uh, they're coming from the same places as these antibiotics and they're just as, and, and, and some people have already, uh, a lot of people who take medications on a daily basis, um, have already experienced to some degree, um, a shortage where the pharmacy, it's hard for the pharmacy to get them. Um, and so, yep, the uh, same for the same reasons, um, uh, that's, that's why we've got uh, the Jace daily service now and we're expanding it on a daily basis, um, as we add meds 
to to that list. Yeah. Well, I I know uh, I know a couple people who during the pandemic had to change their blood pressure medication because mm-hmm. they couldn't get the one that was working for them and they had to use one that was less effective. But the bottom line is the pharmacies just could not get it. And so therefore they had to change it. And that is, uh, I mean, that's a scary thing. Uh, it's uh, it's crazy. And being outside the realm of the control of the insurance companies uh, where they'll only give you a set number at a time and you better like it uh, if exactly. nothing else. That's that's part of the problem as well. Okay, so Dr. Rollins, our guest, uh, Sean Rowland uh, with Jace Medical. We're going to jump back into it here. We are ready to go. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share this show, if nothing else. Let's get back to it. Here we go. Uh, no, I mean right now. Here we go. Here we go. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, Enemy. Public enemy number one, which uh, makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, it's totally pain-free. This show is totally, well, I, 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 okay, maybe I lied there. Welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska. This is your favorite radio station and or FM translator. It is What If Wednesday, uh, your chance to uh, consider, ponder the idea of what if, and then you could fill in the blank. Um, and it could be anything from massive earthquake uh, to, uh, you know, tidal waves to, you know, pandemic, supply chain issues, coronal mass ejection, or yes, even the zombie apocalypse. If that's that's your, you know, so be it. That's what you want to think about. But our question is uh, on different things and how do you get prepared for that? Today, we're talking about medicines. Joining us on the program, Dr. Sean Rowland from Jace Medical, who just gave us a little bit of his background and where he came from and why he decided to form Jace Medical. And he talked a bit about the Jace case, which is his emergency medical kit uh, with antibiotics for any situation. It's uh, it's a good uh, it's a good discussion. But I wanted to talk for just a minute first about over the counter medications, because while we are concerned, obviously, about major infections, bacterial, viral, you know, all the things that are the worst case scenarios. A lot of times we don't think about, um, you know, just over the counter stuff. Now, for example, if you're in a situation where you have to get into your food supplies and I know a lot of people are not. Uh, I prep a little differently than a lot of people. I didn't buy 63 buckets from, I don't know, Patriots of Ply or somebody to eat. You know, I have regular canned food and things like that, so it's easier for me. But if you start subsisting on a lot of those freeze-dried, dehydrated specialty foods and things like that, your body's not really ready for that. So all of a sudden, your your gas or your GI tract may not be necessarily happy, and then you'll be wishing that you'd bought an extra box of say, Imodium or something like that. What are some of the things that you would recommend if you're talking to people uh, stocking up on on over-the-counter medicines that they should be writing down on a list to take, you know, to make sure that if they go to buy one, maybe they buy two and throw an extra one on the shelf, so to speak? Gosh, this is uh, this is something I have to be careful not to get into the weeds of because I get pretty passionate about uh, not just explaining which medications, but the why behind it. Um, I, I do have done kind of a whole course of uh, about this uh, in the past, but just just to highlight a few here, um, talking about over the counter and really when just kind of what is your general approach here, and and uh, I, I think the mindset should be uh, these are things that that 
you're looking at yes comfort that's important um but things that are, that are going to when problems start that are going to hopefully help that problem from becoming a, a true emergency um where you you are going to need something that's prescription strength or you know the perfect a, a facility like a hospital um and so you've mentioned a couple of times um uh, emodium uh, that's loperamide. That's an anti-diarrheal. So, so in the case of of some kind of a um, gastroenteritis, you know, you're throwing up, you're, you've got diarrhea. Um, it, letting that go in in a, in an austere environment uh, could potentially lead to something to to dehydration, and then that has its chain reaction, right? So, so that's one that should be on the list. Um, a good a good uh, antihistamine, and and what you'll see in in a lot of publications, um, you'll hear you know to have some Benadryl, some diphenhydramine on hand. Uh, we we the truth is nowadays we have uh, better medications. The diphenhydramine or Benadryl is a first gen um, antihistamine. So there's some newer stuff that, that, uh, doesn't have all of the, um, uh, the nervous system side effects like drowsiness and other things that Benadryl has. So I'm talking about, um, really just, uh, Zyrtec, Claritin. Um, so that's Loratadine, uh, Cetirizine, having uh, a good, uh, second gen antihistamine on hand, um, a steroid cream, something you, you can get those over the counter. Um, Gosh, what else? We, those are kind of my top uh, over-the-counter. And then, of course, something to control pain. And we sometimes we say pain is, well, that's just a comfort measure. Um, but actually, it, it's one of those things that as it gets worse, it can lead to other complications. Um, and so having a good, a good uh, pain medication over-the-counter, we're just talking about Tylenol and ibuprofen. So acetaminophen um, and, and ibuprofen. And there's been a lot of really interesting studies done over the last few years that have looked at uh, the efficacy of combining, so taking a Tylenol and taking ibuprofen together at the same time, um, they go through different pathways in the body. They're 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 uh, filtered by by different. You know, you've got one. The Tylenol goes through your liver. The ibuprofen goes through your kidneys. Safe to take them together, and they found a synergistic effect where, in 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 many cases, it can be as effective as as, as something as strong as morphine. Right. So having both uh, Tylenol and ibuprofen. Now you do need to consider your own health in all of this. Uh, you may be someone with some degree of kidney failure. Well, you're going to want to avoid ibuprofen, or you know, uh, vice versa with with liver failure. Um, so there are you do need to consider uh, other personal health. This is kind of speaking generally. Um, without getting into someone's specific health uh, situation, but right, uh, gosh, I could keep going, but I, I sure. don't. Sure. Well, I mean, I, I think those are some those are some of the highlights. I mean, you don't want to be dehydrated, so an emodium is good. You know, any kind of anti nausea med is good. Uh, you know, you got uh, you know antibiotic ointment. I mean, that's a that's a must have for you know any kind of uh, surface you know that kind of stuff. I mean, you don't want that to get infected deeper than what it already is, right? Yeah. Well, so those, that, this is some of the stuff I get into the, so the actually, um, it's never good to come on. And, and <laughs> actually, no, but, go ahead. That's why you're here. You're, you're much more, uh, you're smarter on this than I am for sure. So, so that's another one, uh, maybe common misconception. Uh, Neosporin has made a lot of money in it with some really clever marketing. Um, none, none of the studies, uh, when, when they've looked at, at Neosporin or anything like that, Basically, we're talking about topical antibiotic, uh, over-the-counter uh, creams uh, have ever been shown to actually do 
anything more than just what good wound care would do. And in fact, they've actually in, caused more complications than they do um, avoid infections. Uh, it's more com- It's more likely that you'll get a contact dermatitis, which would then could, could potentially turn into something worse by using Neosporin than you are actually avoiding an infection. Um, so talk to any dermatologist and, and they'll be the first to tell you that, that, uh, there's just, you're not getting any benefit. You're only getting the potential for harm there. Um, so yeah, that's a, a little rant on, on, on the, the Neosporin type creams. Um, but, but having, and I guess, you know, yes, these are all tools, but none of them are work without, uh, some kind of, at least some degree of, of education and, and knowledge, um, knowing how to properly care for a wound is going to help you world, uh, worlds more than than a cream uh, or, or an ointment. So, and, and then we could talk about that in, in any condition. Um, and I'm not saying people have to go out there and, and get a, a medical degree or, or or be a nurse. Sure. Uh, there's there's just some basic good basic first aid practices that uh, it would behoove everyone to to get familiar with. Um, so that they can use these tools in, in the right way. Right. And I know there's been books. I have a book that boy, the, it's probably 25 years old now called Where There Is No Doctor and some other ones where yep. they do that. Is there any reading that you recommend for people who are trying to get into this? Is there Are there new manuals or something newer than that, than that, than that work that uh, you would recommend? Do you guys put out something that has, you know, basic medical knowledge and, you know, how to clean, how to do this, how to, you know, don't, you know, like you're saying, don't use this antibiotic on it, uh, the topical, use something else, clean it, wash it, soap and water, yeah. put honey on it. I don't know, whatever it is. Tell me, you know, is there something out there? Yeah. Um, that, that, where there is no doctor, that's a great one. Um, it's, it's, it's uh, been updated multiple times. Um, there's a number of wilderness medicine. Um, I think that's another, if you're just looking at a category, uh, treating it, you know, as, as wilderness, me- wilderness medicine is, is another great direction to go. I don't have, spe- I try to avoid specific, uh, uh mentions. Um, uh, I, I think what's important is that y- you find something that whatever grabs your attention, um, you know, has, has, uh, some good references as reputable is great. And I, and we ourselves, we put out, so with our, our Jay's case, we do include, a, a very short uh, emergency uh, use guide for these medications uh, so that you, if you can't talk to your doctor, you can't talk to a healthcare professional, um, you're really out on your own. Uh, you don't have a, 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 a more extensive manual. We've got the short, uh, really accessible, tells you, okay, here's your five antibiotics. Here's some things that they treat. Here's how to, here's how to determine if, you know, diagnose if that's what you've got um, and how to treat it. Um, but, but I explained in the beginning of that manual that this is not a replacement for, I mean, there's tomes that have been written um, sure. over the, over the decades, right. That, that, uh, and so I just encourage everyone to, to go out and um, find whichever one works for them um, and be aware of what's in it. Uh, and that's, that's typically the advice we give. We, we publish, um, you know, on our website, we have a kind of an education blog that we routinely uh, put articles up on. And, and we do talk about things like wound care, um, uh, diarrhea. Uh, there's all kinds of, of, of content there that, that people can also uh, keep up with. All right. Uh, Dr. Sean Rowland is our guest from Jace Medical. We're talking about emergency medical preparedness. We're just wrapping up on the over-the-counter stuff. So again, uh, analgesic, so ibuprofen uh, and acetaminophen. You know, we're talking about uh, anti-diarrheal emodium types. Uh, some of the uh, some of the antihistamines, and you're saying Claritin and Zyrtec better than Benadryl. Um, and of course, uh, you know, 
things like, I mean, I would say Vaseline things. I mean, there's just some things you don't think about that would help, uh, you know, keeping things covered, wound care, you know, some basic bandages, some wraps, some uh, ACE bandages, those kind of things. That's all just over-the-counter stuff that should be in your kit. And uh, and there's plenty of lists out there from people who put these together in the past. But anything else that sticks out before we uh, jump jump ahead? No, I think I think covering you you really you covered some of the most important anything else after kind of the analgesics, the antihistamines, the antidiarrheals, and uh, you're you're getting into things that would be nice to have, but I think those are the basics that you've got to have at least that. Yeah, at least have that uh, much on hand. And now we need to talk about again going back to the Jace case. This is something now in Alaska. It's a little bit, it's a little bit different in Alaska. You've probably heard that before if you talk to anybody from Alaska. Uh, I have an emergency kit that does have some antibiotics in it, that does have some uh, some heavier painkillers and things like that. But because that's I've worked with my doctor over years and said, hey, I need this is what I'm doing it for, and this is what I and through his suggestions he's done it. It's still a bit of a rigmarole, right? Because you still have to do it. You make that a lot easier because you guys. Uh, are using the the one of the silver linings that came out of the pandemic. You guys are using telemed, right? Perfect. Yeah, that that, that brings up that question of of how how do you get a hold of these things? Um, and you're right. Uh, that was we telemed the COVID really really facilitated and helped uh, when we talk about telemedicine, both from a public perception as as a viable means of of receiving healthcare, um, as well as from a regulatory standpoint. Um, and, and that is the process that we use. That's how, you know, when I f- was first thinking, how can we do this? First, it was, well, can I do this? Is this something that, that a physician can do? And I, and talking to some peers and realizing in my own practice, uh, of course, uh, I have a good patient, uh, such as yourself that I've got a relationship with that comes to me and says, Hey doc, uh, we're going, uh, we're, go- we're going overseas on this trip and I'd love to, to get uh, some medication for some uh, traveler's diarrhea and maybe uh, my wife, sometimes she's prone to urinary tract infections. Can we get, and, and, and I, I think I could say just about every doctor in the country has had that situation and has been fine prescribing a medication uh, before it's necessarily needed. And we're talking specifically about antibiotics here. Um, and so, yeah, let's, let's, let's take that idea and 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 take it to the masses and how can we do that and that's telemedicine so really the process is really simple we tried to make it as i don't need to know when you come to me on the website uh, you come to our physicians i don't need to know your your full surgical history your family history with with cancer and and i don't need to know a lot of that there's just some basic things i need to know in order to do this safely and appropriately um, and so that's the encounter so you come to the website you start this this encounter uh, <clears throat> the process takes maybe 10 minutes. We get, you know, your basic information. And then we just want to know, do you have a doctor? Have you seen that doctor recently? Do your kidneys and liver work? Are you allergic to any of these medications? Uh, and that's, that's pretty much it. Um, at the end of it, the doctor reviews all that and, and you get this Jace case delivered to your door. Um, so the process is, is a simple telemedicine process. Um, in, in most states, it doesn't require that we go through an appointment and you have a, a visit back and forth. Um, sometimes that, depending on the state, you, you might have to do that. But in most cases, you don't. It's just something you can do entirely just online in your pajamas in the middle of the night. Um, and, and it's a pretty painless process. I do all my shopping in my pajamas in the middle of the night, except 
I don't have the pajamas. So uh, anyway, Dr. Sean Rowland is our guest. We're going to continue this discussion. We're going to talk a little bit about Jace Daly, and then we'll wrap up with some final thoughts on this and general preparedness uh, with the doctor. Uh, Dr. Sean Rowland, Jace Medical. JaceMedical.com is where you go to find out all this information. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free thinking radio. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, in the break right now, Dr. Roland continues with us. Uh, Doc, let me just throw some things out there and you can, because you just, again, you shot me down on the antibiotic ointment, which is fine. Uh, I mean, I you know, because you don't know what you don't know. I'm not too afraid to say that I was wrong and I just didn't know. If that's what the studies show, then I just won't buy another tube of antibiotic ointment when the time comes, right? It's all, it's all good. Um, but, you know, I, I have all the things that you just talked about, plus I've got, you know, some things like tourniquets, quick clot, uh, you know, some uh, female, you know, feminine hygiene products, you know, you got the the tampons for the gunshot wounds or whatever it is that you need. Um, and, and I pulled a lot of that stuff together, basically just in case uh, any of those things were needed. But again, the educational component, it's like, for example, using quick clot. <clears throat> quick clot is very good for saving your life. The problem is for the medical professionals later on, it becomes very difficult because now you have to debride and open and clean and do all that kind of stuff. So you've got to educate yourself on how all that stuff works, right? Yeah, absolutely. That was the first thing I thought about when you said um, quick clot is exactly that. Um, it, it's it's one, uh, like you said, could, it could potentially save your life. Um, so can, you know, uh, packing a wound appropriately with, with, with gauze and uh, doing wound packing and compression and, and, and those first aid maneuvers, um, so that you can then not die from, uh, from sepsis when you've got an infected wound that, that wasn't properly irrigated and debrided because it's full of quick clot. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Which is, which is one of the dangers, right? I mean, this is one of the right. dangers, uh, the uses of tourniquets, figuring out how that works, you know, basic CPR. I mean, these are all things that should be, uh, you know, and now updated, right? Because the, there's an updated, when I was taught CPR as a kid, now they've changed it a bit and I haven't gone through a CPR class in many years, but, uh, I know now that they've changed it to instead of five and five, now it's 10 and two or whatever the difference is, but you should get the, if you don't know how, even in the old way, you don't know how to do the old way. You should at least get some knowledge on that. And, and education is the best peace of mind. It's the best peace of mind that you can get is that education on it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, and, and not being, you know, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, let's stay up to date on things that have been proven to be more effective. Uh, if you're talking about CPR, for example, uh, but that doesn't mean that if you are in that situation and, and oh, oh gosh, I, I'm going to do CPR wrong. Um, I, if you're the only one there, you can't do CPR wrong. Just as long as you're doing something. Um, and if you're doing it the old way, uh, I, that's certainly better than than doing nothing at all. Um, but but that doesn't mean that we should just you know be lackadaisical about about our education and, and keeping it updated. Uh, right. But that, that's a good reminder. Exactly. That's what Bill said. Bill's a former uh, ENT. He said uh, 
any CPR is good CPR. The alternative is deadly. Uh, and Brian said the same thing about super glue, right? Because we've used super glue to, to do battlefield, you know, kind of wounds or, or out in the field, you know, but you mm -hmm. want to get it all out. Same thing with quick clot and everything else. Uh, Jeannie asks, what about prednisone? Um, things like that. Is that something that you guys work with? Uh, that's a steroidal, am I right? That's a steroid cream? Yeah, well, it's it's a it is a steroid, um, typically taken orally um, as an oral steroid, and steroids in 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 lower concentrations and creams, absolutely. You got to be careful using higher potency stuff as a cream. Um, you're there's there's issues with with long term use um, that can lead you to some complications pretty actually pretty quick. Um, but prednisone specifically, I, I would say prednisone and another, um, another drug called dexamethasone, um, is basically kind of a, think of it as a more potent prednisone. Um, this gets into, so we are, uh, in the process of, um, uh, releasing basically what we're calling, uh, kind of add-ons to our Jace case. So you've got the five antibiotics and then you can add on, let's, we're talking about things like, like topical, uh, steroids, oral steroids, um, antifungals, antivirals, uh, the list goes on. Um, but yes, those, those are, those are important. Again, the trick with steroids is, um, using them appropriately. So there really needs to be some, some education there. And, and, uh, for example, uh, taking a steroid, once you take it up for a certain period of time, you can't just stop taking it. Um, because basically you're replacing these, these hormones that are naturally produced in your body. Um, and, and your adrenal glands kind of, kind of shut down because they, they don't need it anymore. So if you all of a sudden take it away, you can go into adrenal crisis and, and there's some uh, complications there. So you have to taper yourself off and how long and how much and how that works is, is where, um, it can, it can get complicated. So, um, I guess as far as, uh, should you have it? Yes, you probably should. Um, but you need to know uh, how much is is safe over what period of time um, when we're talking about things like prednisone. Again, it all comes back then to education and knowing what you have and what you need. And each case is obviously use specific. And I think you, you guys would work with people on that in helping create those kind of courses, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's part of you know, we, we'd love to just, someone says, well, what, why don't you add this medication? We could potentially just add it the same day, but, but it's what we don't want to just, I'm not here to just, I'm not a pharmacy. I'm not, right. I'm not, not here to just throw, throw, not just here to throw yeah. stuff at people. Right. You All know. right. We're rejoining. Here we go. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio, like it, share, like it, follow, ring the bell, do the things. Here we go. All right, we're back here finishing up the show today. It's a What If Wednesday segment. We're talking about emergency medical preparedness. Dr. Sean Rowland from Jace Medical is with us, jacemedical.com. We talked about the Jace case, which is a series of antibiotics, uh, five separate antibiotics that are very common, 
and can be used to treat a whole bunch of different things uh, along with a guideline and of course the telemedicine visit to get everything started that's about 260 bucks uh, if you want to buy it through Jace Medical which is a fraction of what it is at a regular brick and mortar store uh, upwards of seven eight hundred bucks uh, from another store uh, and that's for one person uh, I'm assuming that uh, they could do each one of you individually maybe get you a discount or whatever but they also do the Jace daily which is for daily medicines and here's my fear doctor um, I have friends and family who take um, medications for mental health and the main fear is first of all if you stop those medicines cold turkey it has devastating side effects to their mental health uh, and secondly um, you know, things like high blood pressure, or you mentioned diabetes or things like that. You just, those are not quality of life issues. Those are life issues, right? Those are debt, life and death kind of thing. And as I said earlier, the pandemic, I had several friends who had to change medications in the middle of what they were doing because they just couldn't get their medication. So the Jace Daily should take care of some of those things. And are they as affordable and reasonable as what you see in the Jace case? So, and is it the same kind of thing, telemedicine, meetings, appointment, and then get your medicine kind of thing? Yeah, really similar. A little more, uh, I don't want to say complicated, but it, but it is a little more complicated because um, you know, uh, people's situations are different. Medication dosages are different. Uh, so, so it is a very similar encounter. Um, but, but, but just a little bit more involved. And, and as far as cost goes, yes, you'll find it's very cost effective. Um, but it also varies widely because you might have a medication that you take every day, uh, that costs 10 cents a day. Um, or, 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 you know, in some of the cases of the old, older blood pressure medications, uh, or you might be taking something that's that's a little more expensive. Thyroid medications are typically more expensive. And since we're talking about, you know, uh, 365 days, that 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 kind of exponentially can change the the pricing. So it's really right. it really yeah. varies. So what we encourage people to do is you go on the site, you can start the encounter for Jace Daily, and you can see right at the beginning. Number one, do we have your med uh, as a part of our list? Uh, because not all the the chronic medications are on there. So is it? First of all, can it be prescribed uh, under this model? And number two, what what's the cost going to be for the med? Um, and so that's 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 what I would encourage people to do is just to, to check, go on the website, start the encounter, and and check. Um, you brought up you brought up the the mental health uh, medications, uh, specifically those SSRIs um, that that are used to treat anxiety and depression. And absolutely, those are man, I yeah, those those should be at the top of your list. Yeah. Um, you know, you might have a the the doctor today who who can't get cancer medications, but I I can tell you it's going to be it's going to start being other things like antidepressants, like blood pressure meds. We've already seen it in some of these, and it's just going to get worse. So absolutely, uh, nobody should be going cold turkey on their on their depression medication, not just for, for the mental side effects, um, has actual physical, dangerous physical side effects as well. Right. Because it physiologically changes you as you're taking it. And if you stop taking it immediately, it's like a full blue screen of death system crash. I mean, it's not a, it's not a good thing. Um, yep. let's talk about the longevity. Uh, we're down to the last six or seven minutes now. Let's talk about the longevity because most medications are safe even if they're used as they get older, but it's usually the efficacy. There's a few few that are not, right? Um, and so do you tell us, you know, how long we should be able to use it? Do you tell us what are safe to use and what are not after a certain period of time, et cetera? 
Yeah, that's a great one. I'm glad we brought that up. There's, there's, a, there's that. Um, you, you've actually, you've brought up some amazing. I love it. Some great questions that that some that I hadn't been asked before. Um, some stuff that I think is really important to talk about. And maybe we just take the last few minutes to talk about uh, what are what end up being some of the most common questions. And probably the, the first one that that we always get is is what you just talked about, and that's expiration dates. Um, and 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 you're right on the money. Some medications. Uh, can deg degrade into into problematic toxic substances, um, and that's uh, sp specifically there are some old antibiotics. Um, they're still around. Um, the first one that comes to mind is is an antibiotic called tetracycline, and it's it's still around. But that's one that has been shown in the past to you know if you take it f much further past its expiration date, can can lead to things like uh, kidney failure and 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 bad stuff. Uh, now. The, the interesting thing is the, so I can speak specifically to the five antibiotics in this kit. Uh, none of them degrade into toxic substances and um, the, and you, I don't, you may have talked about this before in the past, but when we talk about expiration dates, um, it's important to, to talk about the, the government's, the FDA's shelf life extension program, which is something that's been now it's, it's an ongoing study. It's been going on for quite some time. And really what happened was, you know, the Department of Defense has these massive stockpiles of medications and they were having to turn the stock over every few years at, at considerable expense. And so they wanted to say, well, do we really need to be uh, replacing all these medications? Are they really expired? Um, and so they commissioned the FDA to start this study. What the FDA found was some really fascinating results. Um, when we're talking about pills, things like capsules and, and, tab and tablets, as long as they're stored properly, and what that means is just room temperature and dry. So the two things that kill medications quicker than anything else is heat and humidity. As long as you can keep your, your medications in, in a cool, dry environment, uh, what they found was that on average, you had a, a minimum of five years beyond their expiration date to where they maintained vir virtually 100% of their, of their potency um, with many of these medications going as far as, as 15 plus years and and at worst, what you got was what you said, which was some maybe they just weren't quite as effective, um, <clears throat> eighty percent effective, uh, but still safe to take. So of course we we follow the you know the, the legal uh, regulations from pharmacy state boards of pharmacies who who say that your medication basically has a year from the date it's prescribed. Um, but but I encourage people to look into those studies to 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 see what uh, how far they can actually make those medications last. Yeah, cool, dark, and dry is one of my rules when it comes to preparedness and food storage and medicines and everything else. That's the cool, dark, and dry is the is the, is the the lead on that. And yeah, for most part, even amongst, we, we talked about expiration dates and the government mandated expiration dates for many things. And it's amazing how, uh, you know, how much we throw away in this country is still perfectly good to use. So that's a whole, that's a whole nother show in and of itself. Uh, so Dr. Sean Rowland, uh, final thoughts here as we wrap up two minutes. Minutes, I'll give you the floor. Anything we didn't hit that you think we should have? Any questions I didn't ask or anything else? The last would be the, the, the second most common um, is allergies. What if I have an allergy to one of these medications? Um, and you'll you see if you haven't seen yet that uh, my, my, my answers come with a lot of context and nuance. And that's because I, 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 that's, that's, what, that's my mission. This empowerment is, is all about education. Um, yeah, we want to give people the tools with these medications, but but I'm all about educating people about how to use them and why to use them. Um, you know, the antibiotic cream being a good example. So allergies, uh, 
turns out, so of course, the most common allergy that's reported is penicillin. And amoxicillin, which is in our kit, that augmentin is a penicillin derivative. And for someone who has a true allergy to penicillin, they should not take that medication. Um, now, in that case, that's why it's a telemedicine uh, visit that's prescribed by a physician. They would substitute that medication for something else. And in, in, in this case, it would probably be another uh, azithromycin or ZPAC. But the interesting thing about the allergy is, is that of those people who, who report a penicillin allergy, the studies have shown that it turns out that, that less than 1% of those people actually have a true allergy to penicillin. Um, and that of that 1%, 80 to 90% of those people uh, will actually lose that sensitivity or that allergy um, after 10 years. So the most common is someone who was a baby, a, a child, and and maybe had a rash after they had some antibiotics and they, their parents said for the rest of their life, hey, you're allergic to penicillin, don't take penicillin. Um, less than 1% of those people actually still have that allergy. Um, so what I encourage people to do is first we talk to them about what what is what, the, what is the nature we're, of their allergy? Number? Hold on, hold on a second, doctor. I'm sorry, we're we're coming up against the hard break here, so hold the line for the for the for the uh, chat room, folks. We're out of time, Doctor Sean Rollin, Chase Medical, Jace J A S E. Check it out. We're out of time. We'll see you tomorrow, the Michael Duke Show. Sorry, Doc, I had a hard break there. No, so, but no, because no, I'm fascinated. That was one thing I forgot to ask about was for not just allergies to medicine, but allergy medicine and things like that. So yeah, go ahead and finish up your thought on that. Uh, my brother and my dad are both allergic to penicillin. I mean, my dad has a deathly reaction to penicillin. My brother, not so much. I'm not. I don't know if any of my other siblings are, but it is obviously a problem for some people. So go ahead and finish up your thought on that. Yeah, great. Uh, so really, just to finish it up, the if you is what you just said, your, your father who who is legitimately um, uh, allergic and, and we're talking about anaphylaxis in, in, in that, you know, someone who has a true anaphylactic reaction, um, you know, difficulty breathing, uh, their body breaks out in, in hives, they have swelling um, around their face or abdomen extremities. That's, that's a real allergy. Um, but even those uh, can, after time, a lot of the times they lose that sensitivity. So what I what I tell people is first, we want to make sure, are you talking about an allergy or are you talking about, oh, I get an upset stomach? That's not an allergy to a penicillin. That's a common reaction that most people get when they take antibiotics. Oh, I get diarrhea. No, that's not an allergy. So first we want to find out what are we talking about here? Number one. Number two, if you are in that camp where you're either unsure or you know that at one point you, you had a true allergic reaction, um, you can... We have allergy doctors. They can do testing. They can tell you, um, yes, you are truly allergic, or or you're not. And and the reasons why that might be important to do is is because you want to have as many options as as you possibly can when it comes to to um, medications. If you can take a a penicillin type antibiotic um, instead of a less effective uh, Z pack for whatever it is you're you're dealing with. Um, Sometimes the ZPEC is more effective. It depends on, on on the disease. But if you've got the option to take the better drug, then then why not find out if you can and not carry that that label of oh I'm allergic because I I was a you know I was six months old when I have this antibiotic and my parents told me ever since. So so that's it. It's it's is it a true allergy? Number one and number two, um, go, get tested if you have doubts um, to find out. Maybe you can get, be be taking these medications. Yeah, um, and I. The, the just the, the last that I would have mentioned kind of through the, the through this and it's another it's another thing like you said another show probably would be to talk about some of the anti-radiation stuff spe specifically the potassium iodine and others but uh, 
Um, and yeah, we can. Oh, I, you've I, got I, I well, we'd love to that. have we'd love to have you back to talk more about it because again, you mentioned the uh, you know anti bio agents and the anti nuclear stuff. I mean, there's a there's a lot of things to discuss in there that you know things that you could have would have should have. I mean, do you keep uh, pot- potassium and iodine you know supplements? Do you do you know uh, are you using uh, uh, you know it, I have so many questions. I have so many questions personally, you know, just like, you know, uh, it, it, you know, should I be using, should I be carrying my betadine? Should I be doing some of these other things? Should I, you know, there's just so many questions that are probably outside the norm of something that I would talk to my regular doctor about. But since this is your specialty, um, I just find this, I find this a fascinating topic. So we'd like to invite you back on the program sometime again in the future to discuss more about this and give people the opportunity. Um, and I'd like folks to have the opportunity to check out Jace and uh, maybe get the Jace case and then tell us their experiences and things like that. So this would be a, a good opportunity for a recap or a, a, a rejoin later yeah. on down the road. Yeah, yeah, we'd love yeah, we'd love that. Uh, and we'd love to hear uh, anytime someone, I mean, we hate that people have to use anything in the kit but when they do and it's and they have that good outcome uh, we love to hear those stories yeah. so. well especially yeah. especially here in Alaska i mean again alaska is a little bit different you know the whole telemedicine aspect of it the ability to get those things maybe remotely and things like that we we have some real problems uh with that here in this state where we just don't have uh, access to a lot of the things in the healthcare and things like that that we wish we did, and uh, getting access to a daily, uh, you know, getting to access to your daily meds, uh, granted in a large supply, would definitely be better than trying to, you know, I'm always after my wife to make sure she reorders her medicines four days ahead of when she really needs it, and maybe she can squirrel away three or four of those pills, and pretty soon yep. she's got a small stockpile, you know, and things like that because. I mean, I hate to do it, but that's what I'm always thinking. How am I going to get some of these meds if something no. happens? If she's got, you know, if she's got 15, 20, 30 days worth saved up, maybe that's good. But that's hard to do these days with insurance and everything else. It's just it, it's they have no sense of humor about that kind of stuff. Alaska is one of those. There's a few places. Alaska is one of them I where I it's kind of one of oh, you want to shake people. And, and like there's probably nobody uh in Alaska that shouldn't have either both a Jace case. And if they're taking daily medications, they should absolutely have a supply. I mean, it's just, yeah, you just want to, you want to slap people and wake them up. But uh, uh, yeah, so I'm glad that was part of the reason, you know, I, when, uh, when um, one of my guys told me about the show, I was like, Oh, that's up in Alaska. Yes. So let's look, we need to talk to those people. Let's definitely do that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I reached out to several different outlets that do something similar to what you do. And you're the only one that responded. So um, I'm glad you did uh, because we need it. We need it. We need desperately need the, uh, the access and we need the information. And so we'd uh, again, uh, give me a few weeks uh, uh, and we'll uh, maybe we'll touch base with you again and come back to you and, uh, and you can be part of another What If Wednesday. Maybe this one a little more, a little more on the, maybe a little more on the What If side. Again, with radio nuclear and uh, and uh, and biohazard stuff, we could talk a little bit about that as well. So um, I'm always happy, always always happy to have your expertise on that. So, Doctor Sean Rowland, thank you so much for coming on board. It's good to talk with you. Thanks so much for having me. This has been great. Appreciate right. it. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, great. Great discussion, man. That was a good discussion. We got a lot of good information there. I mean, the whole antibiotic ointment, that was worth the price of the show right there. Uh, so good stuff. Um, go check it out. JaceMedical.com. 
The Jay's case is 260, 259.95, $260 bucks per person. You can get the telemedicine. You can get it started. They've got all the information there on the website. And uh, I'm looking forward to having Dr. Rollin back on to talk about some of this other stuff as well. So, anyway, uh, that's it for today, folks. We are out of time. Tomorrow is another day. Justin Ruffridge will be our guest, and we'll be talking with him about uh, the legislature, the governor's vetoes, and the capital projects he lost in his district. We'll talk about that as well. All right, my friends, thank you for being part of it. We will see you tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show